Today we continue a sermon series, five parts. This is number three, called Holy Healing. In this series of sermons, we're looking at um, a set of cultural realities with which we live, all starting with the letter A. Today, amplification and what scripture might say to us as an antidote to amplification. Please hear from 1 Kings, from the story of Elijah. I'm going to start a couple of verses before the passage or the section indicated in your bulletin, beginning at verse 9 of chapter 19. Listen for the word of God. At Mount Horeb, Elijah came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, God, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall appoint Hazael as king of Aram. And you shall appoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall appoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, of Abel, or Abel-Meholah, as prophet in your place. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Holy Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be receptive to thee. O God, our strength and our redeemer, we pray. Amen. So, preparing for a sermon on the cultural ill of amplification, I did what I often do if I just don't know if a sermon is going to work. 
and wonder why in the world I got into this thing. I watched TV. Thought I'd take a break from it all. And what I thought would be a break turned actually into a little experiment. Because what medium in our modern world is more implicated in amplification, in noise, however you experience noise, than television? And now television is everywhere, even in my pocket. I don't even need to leave my MacBook to watch. I just log on to my cable provider and there it is. You know the drill. Hundreds of channels, networks, movies, news programs, concerts, comedy sketches, church services, interview shows, shopping channels, and more to choose from. I landed on local news pretending that I was watching something worth my time. Even though local news is in some ways, in some ways, as much about entertainment these days than a movie channel, or as a movie channel. But at least it comes in half-hour chunks. And so I told myself that I'd just watch for a few minutes to clear my mind. But I couldn't help but register during that half hour how many times in just those few minutes I was told what to do, often with great urgency and volume. Sure, folks on commercials or in the news sometimes talk indirectly about what they do and hint that I should want to be like them. But I also mean voices that are quite direct, talking directly to me as if I'm there in the room telling me what to do. Can you imagine if we did everything that we're told to do on television? Make a list sometime. I was told to enjoy the health benefits of hot tubs, to get my phone and visit the app store, to grab my Claritin to fight the pollen onslaught, to check out the new Museum of Illusions in Scottsdale, to get eyelash extensions. <laughs> I was told to not miss the huge savings event going on right now, right next door to Ikea. I was told to get my first weather on AZ3, to get my sports on AZ44. I was told to call the accident law group. I was told to lean on Lloyd. I was told to choose Hospice of the Valley, to save up to 40% at some place I don't remember, to join someone at Creative Leather, to see my Valley Hyundai dealer, to imagine myself in a new Toyota, to join LA Fitness and make a New Day resolution. And did I mention to lean on Lloyd? Four times. I am also supposed to ask my doctor about four or five different drugs stop taking something or other if I have an allergic reaction to it, and compare the experts at some love clinic with the experts at another love clinic to decide who's better to fix my problems. That and more in just 30 minutes. But this is not a sermon about television. TV is just an easy example. In a culture where everything is accelerating, I'm using the idea of amplification 
to mean all the things that people do or companies do or political parties do or even churches do to get attention through all the noise, to tell us what to do, and to gain power. Now, I know that this is a mixed bag, for there are some things that we want to amplify, to create positive awareness where we can, and to help folks who feel silenced have a hearing. But we also know that amplification is the tool of tyrants. Louder, 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 faster, 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 wilder, 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 just to be able to get through and get a listen, breaking norms as a way of communicating, harsher and meaner and meaner and more excited, data, smog, with so much information and every bit wanting you to think that it is the most important. Amplification of messaging is now actually a lucrative business. It makes it hard to make distinctions and have real conversations about things that matter without doing harm to each other to speak with fewer adjectives like greatest or worst or best or always or never ever and instead to speak with greater care and respect. I think there is something here that we need to think about together. How much noise, how many messages how many voices competing for your attention? How many ideas that you're told to hold or beliefs you're told to shape your life around? How much anxiety are you feeling in a world of competing messages and claims and noise that has to get louder and louder just to keep up? This all profoundly shapes who we are and how we experience the world. It might make you want something different, something more human and more divine, something more of the kind of speaking and listening and learning that isn't over in an instant, but unfolds over time. So, to Scripture. Scripture is from another time, not ours, but maybe because it is from another time and yet still alive, it can speak to us in our time, not through a loudspeaker, as some might want it to, but in the way that Jesus often speaks, in stories with smaller groups or one-on-one, -on -one, in songs or in whispered prayers more often than public displays. Think of our Lord going off to pray, even when people were shouting for his attention, or whispering to Mary after a gentle touch, words of resurrection and recognition, inviting Thomas to simply touch his side 
and not declaring victory or power in his resurrection, but simply saying to his followers, peace be with you. Moses, who prepared for leadership not through social media training, but by quietly tending and learning and wrestling and hearing God's call to save his people. Or Elijah, a bit of whose story you heard today. I want to spend a little time with Elijah and how he heard God's voice. Elijah's story is complex. Parts of it are gritty and uncomfortable. There is violence in Elijah's story and he slays enemies and even unfaithful compatriots. I, I'm not always sure he heard right, but I'd like to take the complexity of his story as a clue that he might have something to say to our own complicated time. For here in the 19th chapter of the book called First Kings, we hear a moment of Elijah's life that tells us something about amplification and hints and an antidote. For there he was, this Elijah, exhausted and overwhelmed. For reasons you can examine yourself by reading the text, the noise of his day had come back to him as Jezebel, King Ahab's wife and a worshiper of foreign gods, decided to have him killed. Elijah flees for his life, out deep into the desert, alone, but with the noise all around him still inside. A 40-day trip to a sacred mountain on just the strength of bread and water given to him by an angel before he took the journey. At one point, exhausted, he hides in a cave. That's where we began the story. While he's there, God shows up. He tells God about his feelings and his fears and his bitterness that he alone is left to follow God as he can hear no other voices of faith, kind of swinging between self-righteousness and self-pity. And God tells him to leave the cave and go up the mountain where God will pass by. And up he goes, and there he stands, and there he waits, trembling in expectation of great events. Who knows how long he was up there? The text does not say. But the text does say that a great wind comes, so great that it rolled rocks and broke them apart. If I were turning this story into an allegory, I'd say that the wind is all of the so-called truths of the moment coming at you and me like a great wind promising to keep us safe and make us whole and make us happy and make things right, amplified. But God was not in the wind, the story says. There is no word there. And then comes an earthquake, shaking 
the mountain. If I were turning this story into an allegory, I'd say that the earthquake is all of the big happenings, the great events, the if only this or if only that kinds of things that we sometimes think are all we need to get stuff fixed. As though only amplified things change the world. As though shouts of power reach God quicker than the quiet cry of a child or the tears of a person who mourns, or a gentle thank you. As though history of the world turns only on earth-shattering things. But God is not in the earthquake, the story says. There is no real hope there. And then comes fire. Fire. If I were turning this story into an allegory, I'd say that the fire is the things that cling to us than that we cling to to keep moving forward even more so in an age of amplification. I mean those personal dreams of how life is supposed to be, our wants, and our demands and our hot pursuits done to feel alive, to fill empty hearts, and to help us think that we know what's what and we can feel successful. Now, I'm not talking about all of our dreams or our passions. God gives us dreams and gives us the fire within to pursue them. I'm talking about the things that we use to distract ourselves from listening, that keep peace away from our hearts, that burn so out of control they separate us from our maker. God is not in the fire, the story says, for faith is not there. And then comes quiet pure, quiet. The King James Bible calls that quiet a still, small voice. The New Jerusalem Bible calls it a light, murmuring sound. The New Revised Standard Bible, read in your hearing, calls it a sound of sheer silence. Did you know that scientists have concluded that the universe has at its foundation a sound, like a hum? Space singing. God speaks in God's own way. Sometimes we best be quiet to hear. Stop talking, stop asking, stop the noise, and listen. 
But let me get back to Elijah. Because something fascinating happens right now in the story. For after the still, small voice is described, the passage repeats itself word for word. You heard it. Word for word of what happened to Elijah right before he went up the mountain. As if the editors made some mistake and just repeated the verses all over again. But I don't think it's a mistake. Elijah is back in his cave, not up on the mountain. But maybe that is so we can know that the mountain where God speaks is a spiritual place, not a physical place. And they have the very same conversation that they had before, except that this time there is a bit more openness to Elijah and less fear. Beyond the wind, beyond the quake, beyond the fire, a new word that Elijah seems more ready to hear. Here's why I say this. Because of one thing that happens which is different from before. Elijah is back in his cave and God and Elijah speak again in exactly the same words. But this time Elijah covers his face before coming out to the opening of the cave to speak and listen to God. He didn't do that before. Maybe he did it to protect himself from the dust. Or maybe he did it as a sign of humility. That's what I think. He speaks of his situation in exactly the same way as he did before, feeling alone and threatened and lost in a world gone mad. But this time, God does not tell him to go up and away on the mountain. God tells him to go back. He's not alone, God says. God knows who is there to help him. There is leadership, and there is faithfulness, and there is protection. There is good work to do. There is a future to build even in all the noise, beyond the wind, beyond the earthquake, beyond the fire, a voice speaks, purpose is rediscovered, speech gives life, hope is reborn. So about all those commands that I got while I was watching TV for half an hour, here's my list for you. Beyond all of those, beyond all the negativities of amplification in this half hour when you're watching and listening yourself, slow down a bit if you can. Quiet down a bit too and ignore the noise. Turn the volume even to zero now and then to hear the quiet voice below it all. Put less trust in great events or false promises. Let go of the things that feel so urgent that they hide you from what is most important or who is most important. 
Listen for nuance. Listen for what is complex and real and human and open to God. Listen, but not just for what you want to hear, but for what is true. Listen for what the Holy Spirit might be saying, even in a whisper. And speak to, but speak with humility. Not always so sure you're right. And find others who are speaking humbly and listening carefully and open to learning too who are becoming whole selves before God and with others as best they can with God's help. And, in all, and all the ills of amplification that can so easily overwhelm us can be healed. Amen.